Matt Russell is an is an unconditional friend to me. God, I love you, John. But Stay then, it. unconditional. Come here. Let's hug this out, buddy. All right, that's, that's so, enough. See, I don't so, believe it see? anymore now. And this is Pod Have Mercy. This is Pod Have Mercy. I'm John Stevens. <laughs> you know, we had our uh, kickoff Sunday. Yeah. Like back to school. Yeah, people yeah. Had tons of kids. Huge. It's just great to have all the people. Uh, yeah, see the people great. back. See the kids back singing on Sunday morning. And yeah. lots and lots of young families. Yeah. Lots of young families. There are. The ba- baptisms that you did on Sunday were just really special, too. It was just beautiful. I know. Just, I love baptisms. Yeah, I, you do. I do, too. I like them. Yeah. George yeah. and Mary Page? Yeah. Was it Mary Page? Yeah. Yeah. Your yeah. sermon was great, too. I love just the... Keep it coming, Matt. Keep it coming. <sighs> so, so, so this is what I learned about John. John doesn't like a lot of affirmation. Because then he doesn't trust it. So I've, I've realized that I'm only going to affirm him when I when I really think it's, you know, yeah. I thought Sunday was. I thought really the last two weeks were good uh, in terms of just focusing. Like, what's it mean to be Christian right now in the day and age we're in? And, and like, where's the, like, like boats have these things called gyroscopes. What I'm told that they're this internal thing that keeps them you know, in the deep seas where all this undulation is happening around them, how does it keep them on a level plane? And I think the gospel is this kind of internal gyroscope. Mm. And I feel like what you've been doing is helping to both calibrate that and to reaffirm uh, what's what's the main thing in this season. Yeah, we've, we're doing now this series called One mm-hmm. on Ephesians. Yeah. And in the first couple of chapters of Ephesians, Paul's really theological. I mean, he's like really he goes yeah. deep, you know, because yeah. usually yeah. he's like yeah, just yeah. trying to solve problems like quit hitting your sister. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> Make sure you love them. Yeah. Um, yeah. Stop suing each other. I mean, like the Corinthians. Right. Yeah. But in, in Ephesians, in the first one, he's like he goes really big into this like cosmic understanding yeah. that in Christ, all things are <laughs> held together. He's like that cosmic glue. Uh, that holds all things together, that oneness. And that, um, when you think about unity, we talk about, you know, it's so funny to me that people think unity is a bad thing to talk about. Yeah. They, they say, oh yeah, well, it's a nice concept, but you, you can never actually, I mean, it's never actually realistic. It's kind of naive. And I'm thinking, wait, it was Jesus's last prayer. It's the center of Paul's book here in the first couple of chapters of, of Ephesians. It's the center of what 1 Corinthians 13 is about love, love that binds all things together. Hmm. And, you know, if, if it mattered to Jesus, it ought to matter to us. Yeah. And what Paul says in Ephesians is that unity is not something you build or you create or you architecturally, you know, yeah. manufacture. Right. Unity is in God, in, in Christ. It's the baseline. Unity is. Mm-hmm. There's oneness yes. there, right? Yeah. Now you can either choose to participate and live into that or not. And anything that doesn't live into that is what we call sin, right? Well, and division and separation, yeah, yeah misses yeah. the mark. Yeah. So if by the very nature of the definition of mm. sin, it's missing the mark. Yeah. And then in Ephesians chapter 2, mm. you know, which we're going to look at this week, he talks about how he's broken down every dividing wall. He uses this contrast of the Gentiles and the Jews. You know, and he said, hey, especially he's kind of talking to the Gentiles. You know, you were the outsiders. You were the culturally inappropriate. You were not the circumcision, blah, 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 blah. You didn't have any hope. But 
Christ brought you in. You have a seat at the table. Um, he's our peace. He's brought us both into one, the mm-hmm. two that could not be reconciled, the two that could not be together. He's removed the dividing wall, and you are one. You are no longer a stranger, no longer an alien. You are a fellow citizen. And I'm thinking, wow, if you could figure out how to like make that a reality in relationships mm-hmm. in the world we live in. Yeah. And the other thing is in American, in American Christianity, like... <clears throat> We don't, we hadn't, we don't really do politics well. <laughs> no. I mean, the Christians are like the no. worst when it comes to the political stuff. Yeah. It's like, man, what are we, what are we more loyal to? What's more important? Uh, our higher loyalty. I don't know. It's very disturbing. And that's why I like to see and hear from churches that don't give in to that yeah. sort of activist mentality to yeah. the right or to the left that says, no, we're going to be about what. God says we're going to be absolutely out. yeah that's right that's, I think um, uh, if I remember there's a professor at Duke Howard Wass really kind of talks about that resonance uh, resonant aliens kind of sense that Paul talks about that we our citizenship really we have a higher citizenship we're we're of a different kingdom a different people um, and and that we although we are Americans and we have these kind of identities and I feel deeply grateful to be won the lottery and be, been born in this country and the family I was in the citizenship of our very souls um, operates at a different level mm-hmm. you know and so I think that that is the good news that's the gospel that's the thing that we're angling towards and I, I love it well, so I thought it would be interesting today. I, I came across this article in um, MIT Sloan School of Management has a review. You read that every week, don't you? I, you know, that's one of my things. Yeah, That Harvard Business and, Review. Yeah. But there was an article there. It's actually by a Boston-based consultancy company that specializes in leadership transitions. They're called Stiebel Peabody Lincolnshire, if you care to contract with them okay. out of Boston, right? Thank you. And... <laughs> Echoing out of this Ephesians chapter two, where he talks about, all right, so we're, we're talking about one and unity, and we're talking about removing every dividing wall. We're talking about a foundation. Christ is the cornerstone that holds it all together, right? <clears throat> and when we think in our own minds about the world is full of separation, and all of the separation and division leads us to hostility with one another, and what happens is we begin to view the world through an adversarial lens. Everybody looks through an adversarial lens. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so they wrote this article, um, this consulting group, about relationships in workplace, but I thought, man, this fits really in life, in all of your relationships, especially when you think about in, in, in our, our faith as well. And th- they start by saying, well, you gotta be able to articulate and define the things correctly. You have to know the right names. Confucius says the beginning of wisdom is to call things by their right names. Mm. And so what they were saying was you need, you need to understand how relationships work. And so there's two fundamental types of relationships, unconditional relationships and conditional relationships. Okay. Unconditional relationships are your friends and your enemies. It's not conditional based on the situation or the circumstance. Your friends are going to be your friends, whether you screw them over or not. Yep, I'm going to love I, you. They, I love Nothing you. Nothing you can do about it. Matt Russell is an is an unconditional friend to me. God, I love you, John. But Man. then unconditional. Come here. Let's hug this out, buddy. <laughs> All right, that's, that's enough. See, I don't Sorry. believe it anymore See? now. See? Now, 
But friends are unconditional relationships. Yeah. So are enemies. Yep. And there are people who are going to be your enemies, and yep. it doesn't matter what you do for them. It yep. doesn't matter what you say to them, how you try to repair it. You can't it. win them over. You can't win them over. The conditional relationships are conditional based on if you are aligned to the same purpose or the same mission or the same focus, you might be together but the rest of the time not. So those are allies and adversaries. Okay. Your allies are mostly with you until it doesn't Dang. align and then they're <laughs> not your ally. It's hey, conditional. Where'd that guy go? <laughs> it's conditional as long as we're on this and your adversaries the same way. They're going to be against you almost all the time. Really but when something <clears throat> aligns with you and with them, they're like, "Okay, I'll be an ally here." So allies and adversaries kind of move back and forth. <laughs> and I wanted to unpack that because I think there's some value in thinking about understanding how relationships work in breaking down dividing walls very interesting it, I, well i may be uh going too far ahead of this go. idea can i go okay yes you may it go. seems like what, <laughs> go far it seems what paul's saying is that those folks that are adversaries or even allies i've broken those things down and i'm asking you now to become unconditional friends that's the actually deeply theological. Like that's I, what he's he's saying. All the categories. Let me tell you, there's one category. If you're calling yourself and aligning yourself with the gospel and Jesus, it's it's neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free. Man, all those categories he talks about, right? In Galatians, yeah. and then picks that back up. Is he saying there's one category and it's friend? Well, and even Jesus says, "I call yeah. you friends." No longer do I call you. I, you know, yeah. I don't call you anything other than a friend. You are a friend. Paul says that <clears throat> and echoes that. So. Yeah, so I thought in, un, in unpacking this to understand how relationships work for us would be interesting. So let's think about the unconditional relationships, the unconditional relationships that um, that this group, Stiebel, Peabody, Lincolnshire, you know, talks about in these relationships. So they say, in the United States, where practically everyone is on a first name basis, people use the word friend so broadly. That's right. That it becomes meaningless. meaningless. I even know, I knew like preachers. Hey, friend. Hey, friend. Yeah. Do you know people like that? Oh, yeah. Hi, friend. I, there was a friend. There was Hello, a, friend. There was a friend of mine <laughs> when I was in Mexico he City. He always calls you friend. Yeah. Amigo. No, no, no. He said, he's from. he was from Europe, and he said, you Americans call everybody friend. And that makes me not trust Americans because mm. there's no other category besides friend. And so you might meet somebody and know them for two weeks. They're your friend. You may have known somebody for 30 years and walk through hell with them. They're your friend. There's no, there's no other way of naming that except. So friend. what does that mean then? I, I just, I, you know, in Costa Rica, they call you primo. What is primo? Hola, primo. Cous, like, cousin. Like, cousin. Hey, cousin. Oh, okay. yeah, yeah. Hey, cuz. Hey, cuz. Yeah. What are you doing? Hey, primo. Yeah. I always refer to people as pro. Well, not everybody. Yeah, what does that mean? I've heard you say that. Pro. Well, come from Sea Island, Georgia, where it's a golfing community. All the pro golfers live down there. So we all refer to the professional golfers. Pro, if you're a pro, if you're a professional. So if you're a professional, like like Jeff? Jeff's pro. Hey, pro. Good job on the podcast today, pro. That's very nice. Yeah, so, I mean, we use a friend. It becomes meaningless. And so what we have to do is define friendship as a relationship of unconditional trust. And, mm, and in contrast, yeah. they say, Dude. in contrast, enemy, as we define it, is someone who is continually working against another person's interest, regardless of the circumstances. Like mortal enemy. Like no matter if they have even congruent outcomes, they're going to work against you. Just yeah, they no, they'll it. always be against you. 
Dude. And a friend is always for you. A friend can be disappointed in you. You can disappoint a friend. Oh. And we do that all the time. All the time. still. Yeah, I think of a friend, unconditional friend. That's your dog. <laughs> That's the definition of integrity. <laughs> to be the person your dog thinks, thinks you, you are. are. Yeah, that's right. right. I mean, seriously. You, <laughs> you can like throw the ball on the slippery thing and the dog slides and hits the thing and comes back to you and goes, you're not going to do that again. Oh yeah. I'm yeah, going to yeah, do, do it again. again. So that was funny. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, uh, there's friends and there's enemies. These are unconditional relationships rooted in unconditional support or unconditional antagonism. And what these authors say is that friends and enemies are your two North stars. They're steady. They don't move. So they, they give you a sense of guidance about everything else. They, they're the framework from which everything else is determined on your navigation. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. They're steady. Mm-hmm. I, is it, I mean, I can really relate to the, that unconditional friendship that really is born out of deep trust, right? Which for me, like necessitates a type of vulnerability and time and, and self-disclosure and just going there with folks, right? And that's like you, I reading this definition, I realized, oh, that's a really small group. Um, when I think about enemies, I think, I, um, I think more about I, like ideas are in it. Like, like there's an opposition, a presence in the world that is opposing the things that we're attempting to do. But uh, I haven't ever thought about having people in my life that no matter what I do will thwart me besides my own children. So, um, well, for example, <laughs> like these unconditional relationships, think about, uh, we keep referring to this, but it's, it's interesting. I think there's an alignment between faith and the politics of today. You know, we're coming up in a couple of months right. from, you know, an election right. and the way politics used to be where you would think they were conditionally based re- relationships between Democrats and Republicans. If we can all be in agreement on something to help each other out we'll work together on right that, you know okay and when not we'll fight each we'll other. fight each other now it feels like we're just gonna fight that each other. if the republicans say something the democrats are like no we're not for that and if the democrats say something republicans say no we're not for that yeah there's no aisle to reach across anymore <laughs> no but it's but if you're talking about what is the definition of an enemy and it's unconditional i mean it's it doesn't matter what you put forward. Even if it's something that six months ago I said, I'm for this. Now that you're for and it, now I'm against it. that you're for it, yeah, I'm not for it anymore. Mm. I mean, that's enemy. That's unconditional. That's yeah. like, I'm just against you no matter where you come down. And it doesn't matter about the context, context or, the, uh, or the situation. Um, and so what they talk about is, you know, in, in the business world, you have to have contracts to make strong right. strategic partnerships but friends don't have needs for those types of safeguards because of that trust for each other but in the business world and it seems like in life now it's contingency driven or goal oriented and unpredictable and it's also not really conducive for establishing friendships in the world it's hard i think it's harder oh. to build those kinds of friendships it is unconditional friendships you don't see that as much no. well they do exist but it's harder. It is. Well, and why do you think that is? I just think we don't trust anything or anyone. I think trust is so eroded. We're in a post-truth world. Yeah. You know, we talk about post-modernity. Yeah. I mean, I think we're in a post-truth world. Yeah. I mean, it, it, I, I think, well, I haven't shared this. When we, we took a group from Chapelwood mm-hmm. to the Passion Play in Germany, right. it was a 500 freaking degrees in Europe. I thought it was going to be cool. <laughs> and let me just tell you, they don't do... 
AC. Air conditioning. No, or, or they, deodorant. They're, <laughs> they're like, yeah, oh, the air conditioning. Yeah, you have air conditioning here for a, lot, for a long time for it's air conditioning upstairs. And I'm like, yeah, 85 is not air conditioning, no. bro. Come on, man, turn it down. It's like, oh, it does not go below 85. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But I do have strudel for you, if you like. <laughs> and so we... You know, you're like, you're doing me a favor at 85, it's 98. Well, anyway, we go, and our guide, Christopher, who self-defines himself as Prussian, right? Okay, wow. Lives in Berlin, but from Poland. Okay. And I got to know him, and he's very interesting, very intelligent, articulate. And I said, what's your perception, or people that you know, that you hang out with, what's your perception of Americans? I thought he was going to say arrogant or pushy yeah, 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 yeah. or rude loud. or loud oh, or yeah, yeah. cocky yeah, or yeah. something like that. And he thought a minute, he goes, naive. And I was stung. Wow. Because I was like, wait a minute. Tell me I more. wouldn't have thought naive. <laughs> he said, yeah, naive. And I said, wow. why? He goes, you believe everything you read. Anything you read in front, anything in front of you, you believe. That wow. was my great Christopher impersonation. <laughs> <laughs> One time we were riding down on the bus and my daughter Maddie was sitting there. She goes, she had a bag of chips. She said, Hey Christopher, we talk a chip. He goes, I do not nibble. I <laughs> do not nibble. <laughs> Thank you, Dita. This is the time in Sprockets that we dance. That's gonna be your new line, yeah. <laughs> I do not nibble. He, he seriously goes, I do not nibble. And I said, I nibble. <laughs> I nibble nib- often. I'm a nibbler. <laughs> anyway, you know, it's that um What's that famous line from Harry Truman? If you want a real friend, it, it just get a dog. Mm. But, I, but I think it's hard because if you think about what, what he's referring to, that with the social media, with the cable news and everything, stuff gets put in front of us and pumped into us. We just believe it. Yeah. And then when we hear something contrary, we get angry. I mean, I just remember that's part of higher education that was yeah. so, I mean, it was liberal arts education. You can't call it that anymore. You got to call it something else because liberal is not a good word. But whatever my broadened arts education was, you know, the whole purpose of a liberal arts education was to get you to critically think and expose to different ways of coming at different yes. issues. Yeah. And I'm not really sure we do that yeah. anymore yeah. Or, or even are yeah. encouraging yeah. Of that. Anymore. I, I wonder also if what, what Christopher said is true because like in Europe, there was so much particularly because of the massive amount of just wars that they've endured and various types of power regimes that were there that then what gets produced in media or what gets produced is really propaganda. And so you have generations of folks that have grown up under things that they can't really trust what's coming to them. And they've developed this underground telegraph to figure that it out. That is so good. We need to stop calling it cable news. <clears throat> yeah, it's probably Propaganda. It's cable propaganda. You just need to know it's propaganda yeah. for one side. But we are the first really generation. I mean, when my grandparents were growing up, I remember like Walter Cronkite, right? I mean, they the most trusted about, man in right? America. And if he said it, you didn't get the sense that he was pushing an agenda. He was telling. And then what it was in it was in 1980. I forget when the they took out the Fair Act. You know that you had to you had to show both sides of the news, right? And so you grew up with a whole generation of folks that were like. Yeah, this could, this is, we're in the, at least the zip code of one reality. You know, everybody's kind of receiving most of the same things. Can you imagine if they, if they had that back where you have to tell? Yeah. Can, can I say this too about friendship? And this one, this may be more of a psychological thing, but I think friendship is hard because it takes us out of control. 
Like when you say, even in, in say our friendship, I have to be willing to give up um, some of my own control of my image management, some of my own control of my story, some of my, my own control of my time. And if I'm going to have a friendship, I have th- those those things have to be in somewhat surrendered to the other person, right? And I think we live in a time where, like, our story, our time, and our reputation, and the way that we manage ourselves, um, we don't trust other people with. I think it makes it really See, difficult. It keeps coming back to the trust thing. Yeah. I mean, yeah. and that's when you're talking about that's an right. unconditional. Ask yourself if if you really are a friend. Is there any condition that could occur that would make me long, no longer be your friend? Is there? That's not unconditional then. <laughs> right, right. At that point, then we move to a different category, but I'm not sure if it's true, truly and deeply, that removing the dividing wall type of friend. Yeah. Now, on enemy, uh, it's interesting because they say that we seem to be much better suited for making enemies. <laughs> and for one thing, in a world of uncertainty, many people find a kind of comfort in the existence of others who are continually working against their interests. It's like conflict addiction. Yeah. Like I think about the denominational fighting. We've been fighting for a long time. Well, okay, well, we're done now. You know, we got a place to go. You can go this way, we can go this way. Hey! We're finished. We don't have to be in conflict anymore. Well, yeah. that's not going to happen because can you imagine waking up and going, well, I don't have anything to fight about anymore? Well, our, Who am I? Yeah. Our institutional neural pathways have been formed about this fight for 30 years for some people, right? And they have, it's now who they are. Yeah. Who would they be without a fight? And I just, I think that that's really true. It says um, some people define themselves by having enemies Hmm. and some people actually gain a little extra zest in life a little pep for the day because i know i got enemies i could fight something yeah okay i know some Um, folks like that i think it is an addiction the other thing that's the difference between friends and enemies is the issue of control Hmm. no one can control whether someone becomes your friend but you can quickly turn almost anyone into your enemy, hmm. deliberately or unintentionally. I mean, think about it. Hmm. I, I can be as nice in the world to someone, but I can't make them be my friend. Hmm. But I can create enemies. That's interesting. If I work at it hard enough. <laughs> you don't, and sometimes that I don't, have, don't have, to have to work, work very hard. <laughs> you just have to have somebody. So whisper. those are unconditional relationships. So okay. that's how this these particular uh, this group they define this. this so you have to be able to name the terms, friends and enemies. It's unconditional relationships. One's going to be with you. They got mm-hmm. your back no matter what. The other one's against you, and they're going to be against you, and it doesn't matter. The second one is fascinating to me. And it's the conditional relationships, and. These are the conduct the even all the most intense relationships may be those friends and enemies, but the vast majority of our relationships are conditional relationships, okay. I think. And those are allies and adversaries, they say. And they're on opposite ends of the spectrum. So an ally is someone who will work towards a person's best interest as long as it also serves their self interest to do so. Huh. They will work with you on your self-interest as long as it aligns with their self-interest. Okay. So that's an ally. 
adversary is going to work, will work against someone because their self-interest conflicts with the person uh, self-interest. But there will be moments when adversaries can share the same purpose or goal or mission and they can work together mm-hmm. in that. An enemy would never work with you, period, right? But they could come together. This is what we talk about in politics. Used to be, we were adversaries. We've aligned. We all need to accomplish this yeah. one thing. So yeah. we're going to come together because yeah. we agree we need to do that. Yeah. But then the other time, we're not for each yeah. other. Right? That's, that's the idea of common good, right? That we may not, we may not, we may be from different perspectives, but there's a common good over something that will come together and lay the things that we're not in common about, but we'll work towards a um, achievable goal that yeah. benefits, you know, all of us. Ally and adversarial relationships, a lot of uh, emotional component because they move. And so there can be confusion and they're also driven by conditional circumstances and you're not always able, sometimes we're not always able emotionally mature enough to sort of figure out why it is that people move back and forth, you know? Okay. So I I know this is like, this is nutty, but they, they talk about mental flow states or fixed states, right? And it seems that to be able to move in the way that this is talking about, that you're talking about that a flow state is necessary. Right. You're 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 needing to say that there's a flow state within like I'm, I'm able to move with the with the way relationships shift so that a common goal can be achieved mm-hmm. if that's going to to work out. Yeah. Right. If it's a fixed state, then I'm thinking that person is a two faced such and such or whatever. And the reason and the reason we get lost here hmm. and this, it, it sounds very utilitarian in some ways it is, but it's practical to understand. That's why you have to know the difference between these relationships. It's like say you're in a workplace and you've got someone that you work with or work for and it's it's pretty you know good relationship and you're like hey we're pretty close man mm-hmm. you know it's great da, 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 da. and you automatically start thinking this is a friend. friends well all of a sudden yeah. something happens where the self-interest of of the two of those people diverge like let's say you're a manager and you're over someone and you're like hey buddy 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 and then all of a sudden it's like we need to do this and the guy's like or is like yeah i don't think we need to do that so well we're doing this and all of a sudden it's like Dude, I thought we were friends. I man. thought we we hung out. You don't we, even listen. We ate pizza. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but the same thing is true in the inverse: yeah. is that you could have a relationship with someone in your family, a relationship in school, a relationship at work that's pretty adversarial most of the time. What happens is you can push that so far you forget and realize that hey, there could be some moment here where we can share. Um, some sort of mutually beneficial goal, right? And we could be allies. But what happens is, if you start pushing, 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 yep. you can create, you can move them into the category of an enemy. That's right. And you can fixate them so that you fix state them, so you never see anything else besides that, right? And so what I'm what I'm saying is like there's an emotional maturity or an intelligence yeah. that's necessary. So if you if you don't have the maturity to be able to tell the difference between these relationships, then you can really start moving some of these pieces around. Mm. And the problem is you really will never move someone from ally. Well, let me take that back. You, you, you'll move a lot from ally to adversary, adversary to ally. If you're not careful, you can move some adversaries to enemies. Mm. It's a lot harder to move if you make mistakes. <laughs> it's a lot harder to move an ally to a friend. Yeah. 
You see what I'm saying? So, Absolutely. so the the cards stacked against yep. you. That's why when I read what now. Paul's writing in Ephesians about all of this, about how Christ is the one who comes to be the center and the unity is there, choose to make a decision to live into it, knowing that the dividing walls yep. are being broken down. Even though you may not all agree on everything, mm. you can hold firm to what it is you believe in. But when you start breaking things apart because you have to win and be right, right. or whatever it is, you're moving or be in power. You're moving all these relationships left on the spectrum, left towards adversaries and enemies instead of moving them, well, from your left. You know, I'm with my, you. Yeah, yeah, my yeah, right. Yeah, my yeah, other yeah. You're the other left. Right. <laughs> <laughs> this works well you're moving them along the spectrum <laughs> in some general direction. There, are, This is just coffee, by the way. Um, so here they list. This is interesting to me. They talk about some common pitfalls and mm-hmm. some mistakes that can be made. And mistake number one is assuming, now, now that we've defined the terms, we know what a friend is and an enemy, an ally and an adversary. Mistake number one is assuming a friendship when none exists. Right. Assuming a friendship when they're really an ally. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The best example that I can think of is this, is someone who has a fall from grace, goes through a divorce, um, loses a job. I mean, what are other examples? You know, something where, and all their friends that they assume were the friends are gone. Hmm. Right. Right? Because what's the shared? It was conditional. It wasn't unconditional. I mean, like think of all the friends. Like if you're really, really rich, and you got lots of friends and lots of people who want to be around you, and all of a sudden you go bankrupt and you have no money anymore. Yeah. And you find out who are your your friends and who are the allies that were just sharing goody off of you, Mm. things that you liked and they liked, and they were there because of that. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Folks that, that we've known who've had affairs or folks like you had said who've been divorced, there's all this kind of either division, but also when the house when I when the house is burning down and it's burned to the studs, who's who's ste- who's stepping into that space? Right? That's Typ- your friends. Typically right? when people go through that kind of deep trauma and chaos, they're left with like almost no one. Yeah. Maybe one. Yeah, maybe two. And they would have thought, well, I've got tons of friends. Mm. But they flee. Yep. You know, because they don't want to be associated with you yep. in your failure. Yep. Or or now that you can't provide anything that you have shared mutual yep. um, benefit from, then that's don't really need to return really your phone, phone call. A decade, more than a decade ago, my life was on fire. And there was only two people that showed up really two people and i had i had been in ministry for 100 years i did not have a moral fall was nothing in that i was just i had been sober long enough that like the the stuff in my life that really was generating this since i've been a kid was like i was facing it i was not unable to move forward with some things so it wasn't a it was but it was my life was on fire i lost faith in god Mm. i had um i had and two people showed up out of that and that i think that that's right you know um, and 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 those those folks, um, I realize I would go today to the I have gone to the mat with, hmm. you know, like I would reciprocate that because I realized, oh, I I was in such need of that. I don't think I ever knew what a friend a friend was until I needed a friend like that. You know what, Matt? 
What's that, John? You've got a friend in me. You've got a friend in me. Uh, I, went, I went too deep, too quick. I don't I? know any problem. more words of that Listen. song, but I know how the tune goes, and I won't take much long. I'm like a weighted vest to you. In me. Just like sink us deep. Too quick. So the second mistake you make, the second mistake you make is not only uh, assuming friendship when none exists, the second mistake, see how I go as right I was, on through it. As this I was saying, Matt, gift. a friendship when nothing. This is my spiritual gift. We're trying to keep these under an hour, folks. And you out of therapy. Miscla- <laughs> mistake number two, misclassing or not understanding that they're adversaries. Hmm. You misclassify them. Okay. You think they're enemies, but they're actually ah. adversaries. That's a tricky problem in accurate sort of putting them in the right bucket, mm-hmm. right? So they're really adversaries, but you've mistaken them for enemies. They're your enemy. They'll never, it's unconditional. Right. But remember, an adversary is defined as someone who will side with you if it's in their best interest to do so. Whereas a true enemy, they're always against you. And so the litmus test, they say, is to ask yourself the following question. This helps you to differentiate between adversary and enemy. Within the last 18 months, was there a time when this person supported you or helped you advance to your objectives? Huh. Or within the last 18 months, is, have they not supported you and not advanced your objectives at any point? In time, so if the answer is yes, they have, um, only when they had an ulterior motive. But you did share some right. commonality; yeah, the yeah, conditioned yeah. it was there. Then that person's an adversary. But if it's no, it's very likely they're enemy. Wow! Wow! <laughs> so, Matt, in the last eighteen months, <laughs> as you're doing this reflective thought, how many enemies? Uh, and and give names. <laughs> I just realized I thought I had an enemy that really is just an adversary. Hmm. That that's helpful to me. Well, good because yeah, you know, if you can find, we'll just know at some point. Uh, yeah. you may be able to work together on something in commonality. Yeah. And if you don't, if you if you assign them, misappropriate them, or mischaracterize yeah. them, or misclassify them, right? And then when that common thing comes and you push them away, yeah, they could then become, become an right. enemy. That's, that's interesting. Now you're building a dividing wall instead of... Right. And it takes a lot of energy to build that dividing wall and to keep that up. So that's... Oh, yeah. yeah. Mistake number three, failing to convert adversaries into allies. Hmm. I think this is the um the place in the space where healing relationships love gentleness kindness yep uh compassion all yep. the fruits of the spirit the mm-hmm. way we talk about living into the unit the, the 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 unity that god has for us in our life spiritually speaking is that adversaries can become allies when it serves their self-interest or yep. when you have a shared common purpose or a shared common right. goal um and so I think that's important for us to be able to remember. But what happens uh, too many times is we are, we're, we're, we are much better at converting our adversaries into our enemies than we are in converting our adversaries into our allies. It takes a lot more emotional work. Like you said, it's mm-hmm. a lot more energy, yep. a lot more time yeah. in that. Again, remember we talked about it's much easier to make enemies 
uh, I can't make you become my friend. And I can't make you cross over to become an ally necessarily. But I, you have to choose that. But man, I can easily push you into becoming, mm-hmm. um, an, hmm. an, you know, someone like this story they give here is about now these names are protected and all these things are sort of confidential. So they've changed them. But they're talking about many people convert adversaries into enemies instead of allies. She said, consider Sheila is the general counsel of a big company fired by the CEO. The experience was painful and humiliating. She was escorted out of the office mm. by the security guard, making it difficult to let go of the feelings of anger. Two years later, she runs into the CEO and this associate function. All these people are around. He smiles friendly he extends his hand and she refuses to shake it and walks away in front of everyone kind of embarrasses him later Sheila's being considered for a board position at another organization and the CEO is called and asked and he goes out of his way to make sure she has a negative reference and so what they're saying is her early snubbing of the CEO when he was willing to extend that hand with a smile even though he had been through a, a bad breakup she, she didn't recognize in that moment, he's an adversary, right? But there's still some, some relational commonality that we could find mm. here. And so what she did though, is by refusing that forgiveness, refusing that handshake, refusing to let go of that, she pushed an adversary into the enemy category. Yeah. Mm. And that's um, a painful lesson for a lot of us. That, Mistake number four is the one that I have learned over the past 10 years. Go ahead. But Paul says, uh, when you can be at peace with all humans, all, all people, right? So mm-hmm. that it seems like that, that the, the theological or spiritual like application of that. What is it about us though? I mean, what, what is it in us? Someone wrongs us. I mean, I should know the answer to this question because I hated my father for <laughs> almost 10 years. Yeah. But what is it about us that someone does us wrong they loop back around and they're willing to, and we, you know, willing to extend the hand or whatever. And we're not, yeah. no, I can't change my view towards you. Yeah. Our ego defenses are a, a, a monster of a thing. It yeah. kind of defines you. It's like mm-hmm. you're, you're whoopee. Well, yeah. You're what is a whoopee? Whoops. Like your little blanket. You're oh, your, your, uh, your, yeah. your hey. you know, I carry it around. I got to hold it. It defines you. It's like Linus in his blanket. Okay. Yeah, he's got it everywhere yeah. he goes. He's got yeah. a, if I let go of it, don't you know when kids have it? It's like a comforting thing. It's a yeah. soothing, self-soothing tool. Yeah, you know they carry that thing around. They got the thumb in the thing and they got yeah. their blanket. Yeah, until they're like thirty-two. <laughs> well, they do have it till they're thirty-two. They just don't have their thumb in their mouth. They have their AirPods in their ears, right? And they have and some other thing that they're holding on to, and like a phone. a phone. But it's the same thing. It's the same thing. It's soothing mechanisms yeah. is what they are yeah. to cover up the real issues that we don't want to deal with. Absolutely. That is the most profound thing we've said. That's huge right there. I think I took it from someone else. Huh. Here is a mistake. Number four, <clears throat> I have learned this in the last, I'd say eight, not eight years or so. <laughs> um, what have you been doing in the last eight years? <laughs> I, oh, you've been at Chapel Street. Mistake number four. <laughs> mistake number four. <laughs> mistake number four, trying to convert your enemies. Yeah. Now, at first you think, well, that doesn't sound like a very Christian thing to do, convert your enemies. Well, I can't convert anyone first off. That's right. I do have to ask myself, how much time and energy and resource am I going to give on the productive things of helping adversaries become allies? Mm-hmm. or trying to create more friends, 
But we spend a lot of time and energy on trying to convert enemies. And you use a lot of capital, a lot of energy, a lot of resource in an effort that is usually futile. It mm-hmm. rarely works because the enemy is an unconditional relationship. Right. But there's something about us that's like, well, I can win them over. I used to think that. I used to think the person that was the most against me, it's like, I, I, I it was like a challenge. Oh, I'll win them. They'll be my friend. Mm. I'll get them around. And I can do that with a lot of people. Yeah. But I finally realized with people who really, truly are enemies, it's not worth the time. Mm. It's in the church world, it's like, how much time and energy do you devote in, in bringing in and developing new people who are coming in? Yeah. Versus how much time and energy do you go trying to chase people who left the church because they're mad? Yeah. And you'll spend a hundred times more energy trying to bring in po- folks who have left because they're mad. Yeah. And most of the time they won't that's come really, back really versus true. the energy you'll spend on new people coming in. Yeah, that's really true. I remember when we were first planting Mercy Street, some folks left because I had, I, I, I'm sure I did something boneheaded, but, um, you know, and, and trying to win those folks back was like, it, it became almost like, an obsession, uh, obsession that was not healthy, right? It's a like you're saying. It's almost like a a black hole that uh, you end up pouring yourself into, rather than saying blessing and releasing those folks into saying, "Okay, God be with you." You know, um, yeah, yeah. The last one, and then we're done, is the last mistake you can make is you take your allies for granted. Mm. This is interesting to me. I think in recent years, because mm. you know, especially around. Um, the r- racial issues, yeah. you know, is two white guys sitting here talking about, you know, the, the racial um, recalibration in our country and the racial conversations or even around socioeconomic issues Absolutely. and concerns yeah. or even around political differences, whatever it is, or denominational, in, in anything, is sometimes you want to help um, and you don't know the best way to help. And what happens is some people try to help and they're not helping in the way you feel they should be helping or not in the best way, like, because they're not you, right? They don't speak with your voice, but they're trying to be helpful. Right. But you think they're just screwing it up. Mm -hmm. And so what we do is we turn them in, we, the, this person who really does want to be an ally and is trying to figure out how to do it. We throw so much shade we on them. We <laughs> throw so much, I wasn't going to say shade, but it starts with the first two letters yeah. on them yeah. that basically they're like, okay, fine, I'll just, I'm done. Uh, I'll, yeah. move, I'll move more into the category of an adversary at this point. That's right. And I mean, I, I don't know how to articulate that because I get it, if, if I were on a side and I was being... Uh, marginalized or treated inappropriately and someone was different than me and try to say well yeah I'm a kind of this and I was like you don't know what the hell you're talking about when it comes to my experience mm-hmm. I can see how I could be very easily angered or frustrated or and and I don't know that um, we need to like overly praise allies for being too noble and too pure or whatever because sometimes I've tried to be helpful in some of these contexts and I say some stupid stuff yeah. You know, and I really love it when people who are on the other side can say, that's okay. That was, that was stupid. That's okay. I appreciate it. I understand you're trying to help. Yeah. And, and I realize, like as an ally, um, a lot of times the best thing to do is, is 
keep my mouth shut and keep my fir- feet firmly planted where that person is. Does that, does that make sense? As if I think that I'm going to go in and make a difference because of whatever, it's usually not the case. A lot of times when I need an ally, I need someone that's going to stand next to me as presence. Right. Mm-hmm. And um, and and take cues of where to put their shoulder against the wall. But um, but not to come in and and um, and try to change every dynamic. Um, that's one of the things I'm learning in, in terms of just being an ally in different spaces. I think that's uh, in the, the city. thing for me I've, uh, that I, I'm, I'm trying to learn as much as possible, especially around the stuff in society around race uh-huh. is like, look, I'm not black. I'm a white man. Right? If you haven't. If you're just listening on the podcast and you don't have the video, that's that's yeah. me. So that's not my experience. Yeah. So I want to go and listen to people who are living black in America and hear from them. Right. And and be empathetic. And even if there's sometimes things that are said that I'm not sure I agree with or whatever. Has not been your can experience. Can I be receptive? <laughs> yeah. Can I be humble and receptive to know that this is a completely different experience yes. in my country that we all we both love. Yeah. Right. But how do I have that conversation? And then how can I be an ally in my frail way, you know, Hmm. uh, the best that I can. And it's just interesting to me in our culture. It's like when you start moving in that direction to be empathetic, and I've said this for two and a half years, put yourself in the shoes of the people who are protesting. Try to put yourself in the shoe, in the life, in the, in Mm -hmm. the place you know, before we immediately start making judgments, yeah. sit down and have a conversation yeah. with someone who's different than you yeah. in a loving, listening, humble way mm. before you make a judgment. Yeah. You know, um, that's a hard lesson for us all to learn. And I wish we would do it more. Mm. It seems that at the core of the gospel is this summonsing towards solidarity. And that solidarity is where we stand. I don't have to agree with that person, but I do um, what Paul says. And when the dividing walls get torn down, I'm left seeing that person's experience. And will my heart be moved in empathy? You know, and so I stand in that space of solidarity. Those folks don't need me to be their friends. They're asking me, will you, will you see my experience and legitimize my experience by your presence? Yeah. Right. And a lot of times what we, what I've grown up saying is, well, I've got to be your friend before I get real involved in this. I mean, I think what Paul, well, I think what we talked about today is, is classifying yeah. what these relationships yeah, are. It's helpful. And so what I'm understanding is like, there's some people that I'm allies with that I'm, I'm not friends with. I, I'm friendly. I love being with them, enjoy being around mm-hmm. them. I'm not sure, but the friendship relationship is a two-way thing. As I mm-hmm. said, I don't have control over yeah. that. But but the beneficial aspect of the spectrum is a friend and an ally. Yeah. Whereas the negative end of the aspect is adversary and yeah. Yeah. enemy. Yeah. And what I don't want to do is I don't want to be an enemy to any other brother and sister in Christ. Yeah. I Absolutely don't, not. I don't want to be. Um Adversary, I would say sometimes I am an adversary because sometimes we don't share the same yeah. conditional purpose. We don't share the same outcome. We're not, yeah. the, we don't agree yeah. on something. Yeah. But to me, I can still find places where we can yeah. align and, and work together, even though in some areas we may not. Yeah. And that to me ultimately is where the dividing wall is removed because there is space in there 
for us to be unified. Absolutely. United. All right. So <laughs> we, we've met and talked about, it, so we are back. Pot have mercy. We are going to be, uh, you know, we, we've gone through a season with a lot of stuff around denomination and, and we'll do that from time to time, but man, there's, there's so much more we want to talk about yes. so much more I think is important and some of it will bring some of that stuff in, but we're looking at uh, bringing in folks and talking to folks, you know, whether it's in, in the sports field or the arts field or the music field or, you know, the business field, we're trying to like all over. Yeah, yeah. just and, and mental health issues, yep. marriages, Kids. You know, working on our marriages and all this kind of stuff. So I think we got a lot of stuff that's going to be exciting that we're going to be spending time. We have a lot of guests. A lot of people are going to be so they don't listen to us talk all the time because yeah. we don't know how to speak Dear English. <laughs> So. I'm making up new words all the time. <laughs> what else, Jeff? Anything else? And make sure you follow us on your podcast. Yes. Yeah. Whatever it is you like listen us. to podcasts, listen to us. Whatever it is that you want, you can go to YouTube and subscribe to the, you know, to the Chapelwood page and get the Podhead Mercy deal. That's right. We have 95 episodes that we've done. So if you're just discovering us, you can go back. I was somebody, do you know what somebody was telling me? <laughs> a deep bench. Somebody was telling me, it's like, you know, I just got turned on the podcast. I started and went back. I said, oh, did you go to the beginning? And yeah, I think so. And I was like, yeah, like the second episode I asked Matt Russell, I was like, hey, you heard of this coronavirus thing? Yeah. And I was like, like the boy. And then she was like, I don't think I went back that far. Yeah. I need to go back and listen to the first one or two. We were so naive. And green. And green. And also just, it was like it, the new car smell was just. But go, go, like, I think it was the second one, maybe the third, I don't remember. And I was like, why do you think of this corona? And my, Matt Russell's like, I hadn't heard of What is that? What is that? Corona. I don't know. Is that a drink? <laughs> <laughs> then, then fast forward it about a year to a year and three months. And John's like, I'm in a dark place. <laughs> you know, it's like, like going from that this to. This was year. my therapy. Uh, yeah, mine too. I'm not doing good, y'all. Like us, subscribe, and share with a friend. Share with a friend. Somebody needs Sharing some is news. caring. Sharing is caring. And, <laughs> and if you share, it means you have friends. And if you yeah. don't share, it means you only have hey, enemies. Well, share it with your adversaries. Share it with your adversaries it. and your <laughs> allies. <laughs> yes. That's perfect. Well, I'm John Stevens. And I'm Matt Russell. And this is Pod Have Mercy. Hello, neighbor, how are you? Really want to shower you with love. Hello, neighbor, how are you? Really want to challenge you to love.